Um, thank you for uh, tuning in here to drywind.net and just want to introduce uh, Dr. L.A. Marzulli, um, who's a regular guest of ours, obviously, and he's the best-selling author of the Nephilim Trilogy. He received an honorary doctorate from Pacific International University for his work on the biblical subject of the Nephilim. And his recent book, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, further expands on his considerable research on how the paranormal phenomena, for example, such as UFOs, abduction phenomena, genetic manipulation, and other supernatural phenomena, um, are looked at from a grounding of solid biblical prophecy. And Lynn came to know Jesus Christ after the disillusion and deception of New Age spiritualism. And you can purchase his book, subscribe to his newsletter, and read his blog. And by the way, the blog is excellent. And find a wealth of information on his website at spiraloflife.com. Since we last talked, uh, there continues to be interesting things going on in the world. Um, one of the things I noticed, Lynn, is kind of the... Uh, uptick in interest in extraterrestrial life. I know that the, mm. uh, the Phoenix Lander is on Mars uh, digging and, and uh, baking the soil in, in hopes of finding uh, hydrocarbons and elements uh, of the water that might suggest life and I understand that they're going to be doing some, uh, some announcements here later this month. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be but it does show the interest for extraterrestrial life. So um, one of my questions, and we can take this however you want, but I wanted to deal sure. with this one right off because I think it's timely in the news, is mm -hmm. uh, from my point of view in, in reading the Bible and, and having a relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't find anything threatening about them finding life on Mars. You know, what, what, do you, what is your view on that? Well, it, it's, uh, I, I agree. I mean, if they, if they find life, no matter what that is, it doesn't change my relationship, my personal relationship with uh, Jesus, um, I mean, without that, uh, and, and I'm not talking religion here, for, for viewers who have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about religion, I'm not talking about a system of rules or do's and don'ts, I'm not talking about that at all, I'm talking about a personal relationship with the uh, creator of the universe, literally, uh, which was uh, available basically to everyone who asked for it, right after, he, after Jesus died in the first century, and the apostles, of course, received that. S since then, it's been obfuscated for literally hundreds, if not almost two millennia, to the point where people have no idea, many people have no idea what it is. Going to church is not a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about having your spirit being regenerated. Uh, some people call it born again. I don't necessarily, it's a fine, you know, verbiage if you want to coin it that. But that personal relationship with the creative universe by which he communicates directly to me, either through his word, through mental impressions. Sometimes uh, he'll give me a word like he did yesterday, which was kind of interesting. But th if, if they find life on Mars, which I think they're going to, they'll find some sort of past life there. That, And this, of course, will tie into the panspermia theory. If they do find that, it, it's not going to change anything for me, only because I have that personal relationship with them. Um, where I'm expecting this to go, of course, is... What I, what I mentioned a couple of sentences back, the whole idea of panspermia, the idea of that uh, life was, was spewed throughout the universe, just exploded throughout the universe, and has evolved over aeons, of, over millennia, you know, billions of years of time into different life forms. And uh, there really is no God, per se. Um, and this is what I think the evolutionists will, will uh, run up the flagpole, as it were. At the end of the 
a movie with Ben Stein where he's interviewing Richard Dawkins, he, he basically asks him point blank, he says, okay, where did, where did life come from? And all Dawkins can come up with, if you haven't seen the movie, it's really yeah, worth seeing. Yeah, I have seen it. It's excellent. Great, great flick. It's like all Dawkins can come up with is, well, it must have happened, you know, millions and billions of years ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> and Stein just looks at him and just goes, what a totally intellectually bankrupt argument. You're, you're telling us that we can't even think about um, creative design as a as an intellectual discussion and as a theory for how we got here. Well, no, 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 we can't do that. But it's okay for you to tell us that somehow billions of years ago in a galaxy far away, you know, life existed and it, it blew up. And it, I mean, it's just the most absurd statement I've ever heard. I think ever heard in my life. Here's this guy that's supposed to be this. You know, he's a great thinker, and he hasn't thought it through. It's such an intellectually bankrupt argument. So, well, yeah, I of mean, course, the, uh, the, uh, the fact that Mars would have life wouldn't automatically suggest panspermia. It simply suggests that God's creation, and this is not surprising to those who really read the book of Genesis in the Bible, is varied, is extremely, you know, common and, and, and prevalent, and uh, that doesn't, you know, just because they find biological life forms or evidence of past life forms on Mars doesn't automatically suggest panspermia. However, that is the twisting that they're going to use, you know, yeah. to to forward this argument. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think they will. It's, uh, it, it's, it, it seems to be coming, like you mentioned, it's definitely more user-friendly in the sense that when you get guys like Edgar Mitchell coming out of the woodwork now telling us that Roswell was an event that had happened, that uh, he grew up in the town of Roswell in Mexico. Uh, when you Google him on YouTube, it's really interesting uh, to watch the uh, interview that he does and the, the audio of the interview from Kerrang! Radio, and then later on uh, where he's talking and he's, he's being filmed. And he's saying, look, you know, I was on the moon and I did this and I got back here and a lot of people that had remained silent for decades in Roswell approached me with their story, how they had been threatened by the military. I mean, it's all the stuff we've all heard before. You know, threatened by the military, told to shut up, told not to say anything, said that you didn't see what you thought you saw, uh, you know, and their families were threatened, and, and on and on it goes. You know, I was just on a radio show, and, and the host just just reamed Mitchell. I mean, up one end and down the other. Just cut this guy apart, calling him a boob, and because he's got the uh, Noetic Science Institute and all this. and Why? Because he's interested in trying to find out where his origins are. And, and for this, he's castigated. In other words, mm -hmm. well, he's got a book to sell at 65 bucks a pop. I mean, that's all this. It's just amazing how the well, first thing just, that happens. And it's not yeah, just Edward. And it's not just Mitchell. It's Gordon Cooper and uh, his right. book, Leap of Faith. Other is, people. Right. You know, amazing. Uh, and he describes. Other people have crafted, talked about this. Yeah, he describes crafted Edwards Air Force Base taken via high speed camera when he was a test pilot. Look, there were there were yeah there were there were four guys on Larry King several weeks back that talked about the same thing. You know that that they had worked during the Cold War and the uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles in the Midwest and other places in the United States, and they all four of these guys talked about this UFO coming in and shutting the base down. In other words, shutting a portion of that base down. And apparently, ten intercontinental ballistic missiles went offline, so the lights went from green, ready to launch, to red. And they had a tech on there. You know, this guy probably worked there at least 10 years, if not longer. And he, he, you know, went on the record and said, look, 
one one of these things would go offline. Very, very rarely you'd see two, never ten. And, you know, these people saw this UFO, was tracked on radar. These guys are on Larry King breaking security clearances, or are they breaking security clearances? In other words, are they being given the okay by higher-ups or whatever? Look, we want to break, you know, here's, here's a scenario. I'm not saying this is what's going on, but it's a scenario. At least we can travel in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you can't, can't talk about it like in this sort of terms, then, then there's no freedom of speech. And on this radio show I was on fairly recently, I mean, there was no freedom of speech. This, the host had made up his mind. If, if you don't agree with him, you're an idiot. That's basically the way he, he couched everything. And, of course, I, I will probably never be on this program again, which is fine. But getting back on point, uh, here's a scenario. You know, Mitchell is... Mitchell's been known about this stuff. He's been traveling in this stuff. He's, you know, got his Noetic Institute and he's got his books and everything else. He gets a call, nine nine thirty in the morning, from a gentleman that he knows that, that's in the government. Let's say, Mr. Mitchell, how are you? They talk, exchange a few niceties on the phone. Then the man says, you know, we're really uh, concerning the Roswell incident, and you know what I'm talking about, Dr. Mitchell. And Mitchell says, of course I do. And he goes, well, we've been discussing it here, and we're beginning to let some of the information out now because we feel it's time for full disclosure for the citizenry uh, and we want to start bringing the information out uh, you know, in little bits and pieces. So I want you to go and the next interview that you do or whatever, you can feel free to start to you know, disseminate the information. Now, that's a scenario. Did it happen? No idea. It, you know, whether it did or it didn't, but the bottom line is all of a sudden, after decades of silence, Mitchell hops on Kerrang Radio. You can you can hear the host when you go on. <clears throat> the host is absolutely flabbergasted. In fact, at some point he's thinking this must be a ruse. This must this you know Eggers, Mitchell's probably just pulling my leg here. And he says, is this some sort of an a- astronaut's humor or astronaut joke? And Mitchell just remains very deadpan and says, no. You know I was there. And this stuff is real. And you know they're here. They 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 look like the little um, you know UFO gray aliens that have been so enculturated throughout movies and, and E.T. And, and books and, and Roswell incidents and all that. So the guy on Kerrang! was just blown away. By the way, I've been on Kerrang! Radio and, and uh, you know, had a very interesting discussion with politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. But, but getting back on point again, yes, I think this is all part of what is, what is coming down, the fact that the media is becoming more open to it. Uh, this last thing with Mitchell, it was on Fox News. Hannity, Hannity's America had a typical 10-minute uh, segment, you know, or wh- whatever he does. He's got like an hour, so he carves things up into like five to eight-minute segments, whatever. And so Mitchell was on for one of those segments, and he stated for the last in his program, knowing that probably he would get the most viewers wanting to see that. And this is not an audio from Kerrang. This is a you know, one-on-one interview, fascinating interview uh, with uh, Sean Hannity. And so here it is. It's on Fox News. And, and with all due credit, you know, you compare Hannity's demeanor and uh, attitude towards Dr. Mitchell and this post that I was on on, on a radio it was basically just hostile. And, you know, Hannity was just like, very matter of fact, and this is interesting, and are we looking at this? And let's, let's at least get a dialogue whether this other host was um, literally hostile towards it and, and certainly painted a... Uh, you know, basically called it. My argument for it was held together by silly putty. So it's his show. What am I going to do? So, but, but uh, it's interesting to see how, how, and, and this is something I, I just blogged about a few days ago. Truth goes through three phases before it's accepted, and that's 
when, when a new concept like in Christopher Columbus's day, imagine when Columbus goes, oh, I think the world might be round. Imagine the absolute ridicule and the names that he was called, scoffed at, called an idiot, you know, the ridicule, the, uh, how he was castigated, upside, one side down, the other probably. And, but he finally, you know, and, and that's the first, the first stage of, the first stage of, of, of when a new truth begins to emerge. The second stage, of course, is uh, a violent opposition to it. And I would say that my, the host I was on with was uh, definitely in the first stage moving into the second. He definitely was into the, the idea of uh, ridiculing me and anyone who would believe Dr. Mitchell, but he was also sort of vituperative with his remarks and, and, and kind of getting hostile in his attitude to the point where I don't want to be on his show anymore. Uh, and, of course, the third, the third phase that, that truth goes through is self-evident. Well, we always knew it was here. It's widely accepted, and it just becomes self-evident. Well, it's always been that way. The world is always, has always been around. What are you talking about? The world is flat, which is what we see now. And yet, you know, a few centuries ago, the world was flat, and that's, that's how, everyone, how everyone viewed it. So all that to say, I believe that when this so-called revealing of the extraterrestrial presence happens, which I think literally is sooner than later, uh, which I believe, of course, is the subtitle of my book, there are the dogs. The coming great deception of the Luciferian endgame. The churches will be mostly deceived. Most lukewarm Christians will be deceived. Certainly, if you have no idea of what this is, you will be deceived. And you will believe that in the alien gospel, which is simply this, that they are our progenitors. They created us and genetically manipulated us thousands of years ago from primitive man. That they also started off the world's religions. Uh, I blog on this, by the way, on the blog. Uh, there's, you have to go back. I think it's one of the first blogs, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls. Uh, that was the, the headline of it. Entertainment or propaganda, of course, I believe it's propaganda. And, uh, you know, all of this is working towards an end. And one would have to say that, that you know, Mr. Marzulli, do you believe in conspiracies? I say, well, you know, they're, sure. I mean, people can have conspiracies. Was, was JFK a conspiracy? In my opinion, it was. But that's a whole other topic of conversation. But there's there's a... A mystery of iniquity, as Paul talks about it uh, in, in, in the Word, in the Bible. When Paul talks about it, that this mystery of iniquity is, is at work and already at work. And he talks about that in the letter to Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, saying that this mystery is, is at work. It's in, in the world. It's, it's working. It's, it's, it's moving. And it's, it's evil. Mystery of lawlessness. And, and mystery means something that's hidden. And, and it is hidden. And I believe that the enemy, Satan himself, has been moving this, advancing his agenda uh, into a climax. And I believe that the climax is soon. I think we're going to see it sooner than later, you know, possibly really soon, the way things are heating up in the Middle East. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, um, I was reading Psalm 2 the other day, and it's a conversation, and in my opinion, and so the opinion of some scholars, between God the Father, God the yeah. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right. And one of the things it mentions is um, essentially a, an entire united government. It mentions specifically the kings of the earth coming mm -hmm. against the anointed one, which is which is very There's clearly right. the word Messiah in, in Hebrew. Right. And then you look at Revelation 17 when it discusses this a attack against the returning Christ. I think a lot of people need to realize that the Bible has discussed this great cosmic war that 
we're going through this multi-dimensional war of these entities which are fallen angels and the anointed Lord who created the the universe who is far mm. above them and the the Bible is not an archaic book it describes this what's archaic is the church's reaction to this and your average Christian's reaction to this is is a hostile action it is like that radio host that you had don't same, talk to me about it thing. don't right. I don't want to hear about it this is a bunch of craziness and it is true the UFO world understand you know it's full of a lot of craziness it's a full of a lot of deception it's a full of a lot of fakery but the fact of the matter is is when you have these legitimate military sightings you have these astronauts going on record you know it's beginning to break down the wall and I think people need to pay attention to that because of the events that are going on in the world at the same time this is happening you know it's it's quite interesting getting back a little bit to the the, the how fiction um, feeds into this I I actually taught English and I taught literature and I studied science fiction mm. fairly in depth and science fiction is a fairly recent form of literature mm -hmm. uh, in particular probably from Mary Shelley in the um, in the early 19th century and it has formed our worldview about how we look at the supernatural and so when when people think about things outside our planet they automatically assume it's going to be the extraterrestrials coming down in metallic spacecraft with green skin and that sort of thing mm -hmm. they they don't understand I think that our whole worldview is is shaped by science fiction both po both positively and negatively science fiction has a lot of worth I mean I've written science fiction and I know you have too sure but it it it's used to shape our worldview and a good example is is the you know the Indiana Jones movie that you mentioned hey I love Indiana right. Jones too right. it's a great right. movie but it it shapes how we perceive these extraterrestrials and the two viewpoints that seem to be out there are one is that they're here for our betterment they're hovering over our nuclear sites mm -hmm. to prevent us from killing each other and the other view is that they're here as a hostile with hostile intent and you've talked about the Hegelian dialectic a little bit where you have two opposing views coming at each other and then you have this synthesis coming from those two opposing views Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm beginning to wonder if uh, this science fiction, these two views of science fiction aren't, and I don't, I don't say that everyone who writes science fiction is manipulated by, by Satan or manipulated by demons, but it's clearly used by entities. And it is so prevalent in the media. It's been, you know, if you ask a, a five-year-old child about an extraterrestrial and they would draw one, they would probably accurately draw a gray, you know, they, they accurately yeah. draw it. So right, it's sure. been enculturated into us so much, and now this fiction is becoming reality. And it's very, very interesting to see how this manipulation is bearing out on how the public views this this issue. And I think that um, in the Bible it discusses this deception and how the very elect, the very elect, the people that, that should be in the know, that should be paying attention to God, will be deceived. Mm-hmm. So, in anyways, I'm just getting. I just did want to bring up the fact that our popular culture seems to be driving everyone to a conclusion. 
Well, I, I would I would go back to um, to the way Hitler used the media and propaganda to further his agenda, and I th I feel that, for instance, just focusing on the Spielberg movie, that it's it, and I would love to be able to sit down with him. He's he's a neighbor. I mean, literally, he's his summer home is like less than two miles from my home, literally, as the crow flies. But of course, you know, the whole theory of six people away from Francis Bacon. I don't know the man and uh, see him around town every now and then, but that's about it. But I'd love to sit down and talk with him and say, you know, what, what's the deal here? Is this deliberate? It sure seems deliberate. In fact, when I look at your, uh, your, your, the movie that you've done in the past, I would say that you have an agenda. I mean, and that agenda is that E.T. E. is real and that they are our brothers and that they're here to basically save us. But they started the world's religion, which is what you come up with with the uh, Indiana Jones and the extra, and the uh, and the crystal skull. I mean, certainly, that, excuse me, at the end of that movie, when that huge giant mothership comes up from the ground and underneath that Mayan temple, I mean, it's there for a reason. And that, which, in my opinion, it, it's showing very clearly that the entire Mayan, Mayan religion was built around the uh, this this extraterrestrial that uh, that was considered and, and literally worshipped as a god. And uh, that movie made made uh, cross references to. By using the elongated skulls, which again, go to my blog as a whole, you'll see the elongated skull pictures there. But they take that and they link it right back into Egypt with the same type of skull that's being elongated, and they try to make a bridge there. So it's only, in my opinion, one step away from saying, well, if if the Mayans, which is by the way pretty much of an extinct religion, it's not like you're offending anybody, or ancient Egyptology, which is pretty much extinct also as far as a religion is concerned. Um, it's only a step away from well, what was what was Moses' deal, and what is this burning bush, and you know, was it really ET and this this pillar of fire and cloud of uh, cloud by by day and pillar of fire by night? You know, was this uh, was this really covering up some sort of a extraterrestrial vehicle, which they these primitive people thought were were in fact you know the deity god and they worship? And and I see I think it's going there. I really I really believe that it, it's headed in that direction. And and when you say when you mention that that uh, the word the Bible says very specifically that that even the elect would be deceived if that were possible. I mean that is an incredibly sobering statement. Mm -hmm. You know that Jesus himself makes. In other words, not from the disciple. It's not you know from some letter by Augustine or something centuries later. This is this is by the Master himself telling us that the base and I'm paraphrasing here that what is coming the deception will be so great that even the elect would be deceived if that were possible and uh, I, I think that's what we're up to I mean I really think that that uh, when this stuff hits people will believe the lie and and, and Bert says it in second Thessalonians himself that God sends them great delusion because they did not believe the truth so he sends them a lie which is exactly what he allows to happen and people will look at this. Um, let me. If my blog tomorrow is going to be on this, let me just give your listeners a. By the time this this goes out, you know my blog will already be up. But it's talking about the idea that if you were going to spring an extraterrestrial revealing on the planet, in my opinion, this is how you would do it. You do it right after a some sort of a nuclear exchange where people are just at the end of their rope. They they've had it. They're they're afraid. They're terrified. In other words, you you move from a point of of ultimate fear, 
which which would happen, let's say, in a nuclear exchange in the Middle East. At that point, you're you're it's perfect. Everyone, and and I believe I'm already, getting the whole. Yeah, 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 you can already see the the build up to that fear. Yeah, I mean there are so many end of the world movies and television programs. I mean Jericho was one of my favorite, and that was you know <laughs> intense. Right. That dealt with that. So that also is feeding that fear. So w with that fear, then. Then they can they can use that fear and, and they thrive on fear. That's they manifest through fear and blood. That's how they manifest. Those are the two things which enable them, I believe, to manifest on this planet. And fear is the currency in the kingdom of Satan. There's no doubt about that. And so, what better fear to have than to have this Ezekiel 38-39 war, which I talk about at great length in politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. And we see, you know, this is like the prophecy written 2,500 years ago, and yet we see it forming. Uh, daily in the news. We watch the saber rattling. We watch the players jockey for positions. We listen to the vitriol from Ahmadinejad. We now see that Omar has now stepped down. Is, is Bibi Netanyahu going to be put into the position? You know, we, we just don't know. Sipsi is talking about giving the Golan, Golan Heights back to Syria, which certainly uh, Netanyahu would never do. So we see this political machinations and maneuvering on all sides. We also know that uh, there was an a intelligence briefing I read uh, fairly recently talking about that this new war uh, between Hezbollah, uh, which is now inhabits nor northern um, Le or southern Lebanon, rather, and the Israelis, will in fact happen in Lebanon, specifically in the Bekaa Valley, because the Bekaa Valley is close to Syria, and that's where they're staging mm -hmm. all, of, all of the weapons. That's where they're staging all this. It comes from Iran through Syria and then into, uh, uh, in, into Lebanon, and then, of course, uh, Hezbollah has threatened to once again go up against a land of unwalled villages. I'm paraphrasing Ezekiel 38. But nonetheless, I think that's what we'll see. Imagine if Israel uses its nukes because it has no, no chance uh, or no, no other option. Rather, it has to resort to the, the Samson option, and it uses its nukes, and the, and the world is collectively holding its breath in great trepidation. What would happen? Just think back. Where were you on 9-11? How did it make you feel? How fearful were you? Because you didn't know the, what was happening. No one knew. We were all afraid. Is this the beginning of World War III? Is it the Russians? Who is this? Is it the Chinese? What's going on here? Everyone was on edge. Everyone was on edge. And, of course, the attack stopped. We figured out what was going on, supposedly, if, if you want to believe in the 9-1-1 theory. Um, I have a different take on it after studying it for some time now. But that's another subject. But the bottom line was people were fearful. And in that state of fear, people will, will surrender a lot of their principles, their ethics, what they believe in for, for the sense of peace. So my scenario, and I, Cork, I write about this in Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, is that this is the one-two punch. You get that Middle East war going on. You get an event happening in the United States of America. Simultaneously, these events happen together, and it, which creates this incredible amount of fear. Boom, we get the revealing perfect opportunity to pull a one-two punch. There they are, and people are ready to listen, man. They're ready to listen. These guys will have the answers. You know, they'll come as our friends, and people like, Daryl, people like you and myself will be looked at as absolute Neanderthals. Idiots for believing in Jesus. Don't you understand that he was just 
manipulated, genetically manipulated by these extraterrestrials to try to raise up our consciousness. But so was Muhammad, Dudu, and Confucius, and Maitreya, and Krishna, and all these other avatars. They were all genetically manipulated. And this, of course, is the alien gospel. This is the great lie, which I believe will be promulgated. This is why I write what I write, why I blog every day. And uh, we just have a give myself a plug here. I finished a, a YouTube today, which, uh, which is posted. I'm not sure when it will be on. Excellent. Keyword is Nephilim, and I'm going to be doing a lot more YouTube stuff in my studio because I have the, the ability to, to, to create audio and then go on iMovies and just make a, uh, make a YouTube thing, and, and that's what I'll be blogging, not only blogging on my blog, but blogging on YouTube as well. Well, I think people need to realize that Satan is the master of confusion. And the tremendous amount of confusion around this subject, I personally think that the government, elements of the government are just as confused in some ways, although they're far more in the know. They maybe actually have craft, they, may, they have a lot of data, but they don't, they're unsure about it. And this, it's this unsurety, this, this confusion, um, the Bible says where confusion is, there is every evil work. And it, and it talks mm -hmm. about Satan as a master of confusion. And there's, it's, when you see this mass of confusion around this particular subject of UFOs, and there's other subjects that are like it, um, or you see similar confusion, that's the red flag, you know, you should you should throw up. I mean, I'll just say, you know, I came to this subject too, not not because I'm trying to prove my Bible. I I actually, you know, when I was uh, about eight years old, I saw a UFO. It was during mm. uh, in the 1970s. It was during one of the big flaps. It was actually the the same flap that occurred right um, when we were uh, standing up our uh, our nuclear um, level during the wow. uh, 1973 war. There was wow. a huge UFO flap then, and I actually saw one. And I didn't know what to make of it. And for many years, it changed my worldview. It really affected me to the negative. I like, well, God is God real, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's only when I began actually reading the Bible and I began seeing that it was described in the Bible this deception, you know, and understanding that angels aren't little, you know, things that you see in a Christmas play. These are right. real, right. actual beings. Right. Right. Um, you know, I think that there'll be people who be are, will realize that. I think. You're very popular on Coast to Coast, and there's a reason for that. One, I think the Holy Spirit is affecting people. You know, so we're saying these words. It's not just us that's saying these words and saying this message. This is a message that's going out from God, I believe, and he wants people to wake up about this deception. He doesn't want these these angels, these fallen angels that, by the way, he created um, mm -hmm. to deceive everyone. You know, there's going to be a, a believing remnant um, that will exist, and I believe that uh, even during this confusion, that God's Spirit will will make it apparent to people um, that uh, what they're seeing on TV, what they're reading in the newspapers, what people are telling them around the water cooler, with the intense fear that's wrapped around in that, that there is a truth, that there is a grounding. It is in the Bible. It is a safe place to go. It is a safe place to turn to. Christ is real. He's not accidental. Right. You know, there's a lot of preachers out there that are fake. You know, I, I'm like you, Lynn. I see the church and I see these TV evangelists and I'm absolutely turned off. However, right. there are people that are truly with God that 
that honestly believe in Jesus, that are following his way, and the way is the key. It's not a church, it's the way. It's the way it's described in the early right. church. Correct. And that they don't have to pay attention to all this enculturated churchianity, that this, that this is a real thing, it helps people, and it also explains down to the absolute letter and degree the things that are going to be coming on this earth and there are things coming on this earth that are going to challenge that are that will look like a movie people will not believe what they will be seeing in my I, opinion I believe that you know we we all were there just like you mentioned in 911 and we saw on television the collapsing of these buildings and we all mm -hmm. went that that looks like a movie i mean that's probably the, one of the first things that right. came to my mind when i saw right. that and when we see these these mushroom clouds and then we see manifestations in the heavens of craft people are not going to believe it they're, they're going to be blown away they're going to be frozen like a computer freezes they will freeze so i think that now is the time to begin thinking about these things whatever you believe in you know even if you question what we're saying here you should think about them and consider you know what what do you believe you know if this happens you know let me let me piggyback on that in the same idea that that Scripture, specifically the book of Revelation, gives us uh, a scenario which talks about a one-world government and a one-world religious system. And I, I love these, some of these prophecy guys get up there and go, well, you know, the Antichrist is going to have this one-world religion and we're all going to worship him. Okay, fine. But they never tell you how they're going to get there. Yeah. In other words, no one has a clue as to how they're going to get there. Well, in politics, prophecy, and the supernatural, one of the things that I do discuss is that this event my scenario has a reason, and, and, and a, I, I give a scenario in which the 1.2 billion Muslims on this planet and the 1.6 billion Christians on this planet would surrender their belief system because they would see something that would overwhelm them, not only supernaturally, but when they start showing holographic film of Jesus walking on the water and everything else, I mean, the church is going to be blindsided. And, and this is what people let it go. This is the coming great deception. This is the alien gospel. This is the Luciferian endgame. Those titles I've used, this is the great deception, which is coming. And people will be deceived. Jesus himself says it. Men fainting from fear of what, what is coming upon the earth. That, that even the elect will be deceived if that were possible. Satan comes with all signs and lying wonders. I mean, add them all up, folks. Don't, don't take my word for it. You look in your Bible and you tell me, come up with a scenario how you get 1.2 billion Muslims to change their religion, you know? How are you going to do that? You're going to shoot them all, you know, under the, under the pain of death, baloney. They, they'll already die, so that's not going to work, is it? <laughs> they're not going to change. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to shatter their worldview. And, the, and one way to do that would be to have holographic film showing the angel coming out of a craft and going into the cave and talking to Mohammed. One way to blow the Christians away would be on, on the day of the resurrection, right? There, E.T. comes down, stone rolls away, there's a bunch of graves there, and Jesus knows them because Jesus is actually uh, a plant. He's a walk, and he's part of the extraterrestrial uh, hierarchy, whatever, however you want to say it. And it, I know it sounds incredibly far-fetched, but it's a scenario, isn't it? And the other, as far as I know, no one else has come up with a scenario. All these prophecy scholars, no one's come up with another scenario. Well, the Antichrist is going to kill everybody. Well, I just said uh, several paragraphs before that the Muslims will, are willing to die for their faith. So that's not going to work. It's just not going to work. 
Now, I believe that in Jesus' words, when he says, men fainting from fear of what is coming on the earth, that even the elect would be deceived. What is coming is so supernaturally monumental. We've never seen anything like it. Remember the book of Revelation also talks about when Satan is cast down the earth, he's really ticked off because he knows his time is short. For the first time, he's stuck in the space-time continuum that we are stuck in. So he can't flit in and out interdimensionally like he's been able to do. Now he's stuck here. He's really ticked off because right. of it. Yeah, that that's interesting. And and some people ask me, um, well, if the evil angels have craft, why do they have craft? One, um, and I think that's a good answer. One is that there could very well be a limitation that the fallen angels right. have now. They were cast out of heaven. It's very right. clearly says that in the Bible. The second thing is is there's there seems to be some kind of uh, biological um, connection. Uh, there it mentions in in uh, Genesis 3, the seed of the serpent. And, you know, there's a lot of different interpretations of that, but I take it as a literal biological line from too. the line of surf for the, you know. Right. And then we we have other imagery in the Bible um, that describes uh, uh, the mixing of clay and the seed of man, you know. Uh, clay and so iron, right. Clay and iron, right. right. And exactly, in the statue. Um, so it's it's clear that there was biological entities associated with these fallen angels. So when people see extraterrestrials, I firmly believe that there very well may be extraterrestrial biological entities. But people have to realize that they are likely genetic manipulations of the fallen angels somehow. They are, uh, you know, it's no accident why these, these beings are harvesting um, you know, apparently, human female eggs during during the abduction. I know people make a lot of fun mm -hmm. of that, but uh, you know, serious huh. scientists and um, sociologists and psychologists have studied it and found that there's something to this. So, what what is true, in, in my opinion, is that God doesn't necessarily need these um, craft, and that's one of the 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 division I think with a lot of people is that well. If the bad guys have UFOs, then the good angels must have UFOs, and it, it may be, but I don't think that that's necessarily true. It, it, in other words, people will say, "Well, Jesus will come down in a spacecraft," and all the miracles that, that Jesus did in the Bible right, were right. were because they was assisted by angels and UFOs. Right, right. To me, that's just a lie of the enemy, in, in my I opinion. Agree. So, right. yeah, that that's another thing that tends to be showing up, and I did, I did want to make it clear on uh, from dry wind standpoint and I know your standpoint too that it is a little bit of a a different view than some in this field who and you know talk about the subject that I think we're pretty clear on the fact that uh, God is not going to come down in a UFO. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's there's no way and if you see anybody uh you know I got an email from someone today and she signs it uh she signs all her posts God does not need UFOs. You know that whole deal. <laughs> Je Jesus does not need a UFO. And uh, you know, and and I agree. It's like, see, the thing the thing that cracks me up about the the church at large, with all due respect to my my Christian brethren, um, and, and here's a couple of things. My book was banned at the last church I was at, which mm. uh, was one of the reasons why I left it. I mean, without reading it, it's just automatically censored. Well, what kind of nonsense is that? Is this the Middle Ages? Is this the Middle Ages I'm in? I mean. Are is you that, the Pope? Is that because it mentioned the word UFO, or there? I mean, it's what? just the whole concept. Hmm. The whole he he never read it. The pastor never read it, but he censored it. wasn't allowed to be sold at the bookstore. 
And I, I took great umbrage with that. I said, you haven't even read this thing. He said, well, people, other people have read it, and they've told me what it says. And I said, well, let's walk through it point by point. Yeah. What, what do you disagree with? Well, I don't have time to read it, but I'm going to censor it. I just, just un, unbelievable, you know. I mean, how intellectually dishonest um, is that? And how can you possibly follow and serve under someone with that type of a, of a mindset? I know I can't. That was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I mean, that was it. It was over. See ya. And uh, yeah. time to move on. But um, I, I had a I had a, a thought I was going to kind of mention and, and kind of get into um, with with the whole idea of, of the church and, and with all due respect to my Christian brethren, it's like there's this saying, well, if, if it's not in the Bible, you know, I'm just if, you know I'm not going to travel on it, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to you know, it's like if this is unexplained here, so I'm not going to really. And I respect that. I understand that. It's like a let's err to the side of like. Um, let's not make false doctrine or add things that aren't there. I agree. Sure. Okay. That being said, when you look at Daniel, Daniel says a prayer. Number a few weeks later, the angel shows up and says, "Hey, Dan, guess what? I tried to get here, but I was withstood by the Prince of Persia, who held me back, and I couldn't get here. So I had to go get reinforcements." Now, when we travel on that, you know, and these are the questions that come up in my mind. Well. Reinforcements. That means more. Does that mean just one other angel, or does that mean more than an angel? How did they fight? How was he restrained? Flaming swords like the cherubim at the Garden of Eden? Don't know. I find that of great interest. I can I can run with that and speculate it. I'm certainly not going to make a doctrine over it, and I'm certainly not going to say this is what you must believe. I find it incredibly fascinating, though, that the Prince of Persia withstood that angel, and he had to go back and get help and reinforcements, and then he finally broke through unflippin' believable. And we're given this scene into the heavenlies. Just like Ezekiel, where we see, you know, we get this heavenly scene, or Isaiah, heavenly scene, and the angel comes over, takes a coal from the altar in front of, in front of, the, uh, in front of Yahweh and, and touches it to Isaiah. Whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. I mean, just un- unbelievable scenes that we see. So the idea is this, that at some point in time, we know that the angels were, the fallen angels, were able to manifest, certainly before the flood. That they were able to do that. And that first incursion, in my opinion, was the strongest, which is why, in my opinion, the Nephilim at that point of time could have been between 20 and 30 feet tall. Not the giants like Goliath, which people go between 9 and 15 feet tall. Uh-uh. First incursion was really strong. Besides, their wings were not clipped, if you get my drift. They could still manifest at will from this dimension to the other dimension. Something happened after the flood. I believe that some of, their, some of the angels literally could no longer flit about the universe, as it were. They couldn't just manifest. And, the, and of course, the, the, uh, the bodies from the so-called uh, Nephilim, in my opinion, became the demons, which, which inhabit around the earth. Um, so fallen angels are different than demons. Demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim or the Nephilim. Fallen angels are fallen angels. So Satan, in my opinion, is a super scientist. This guy's been around for who knows how long. And so he builds the craft in order to get the the angels, the fallen angels, who no longer can manifest, really, you know, just just on a whim, um, he builds his craft and enables his minions to, to manifest. Plus, at the same time, he's strategizing for the coming great deception. So it's really, really a twofer. Now, that's not to say that all fallen angels have their wings clipped. I don't believe that either. I'm not sure how it works and what you know where it's really going. I don't have all the answers. I'm not saying I do. But I, I, I find it's a very interesting scenario. 
and certainly one that's a workable thesis, a workable theory here, to uh, you know to to at least get some dialogue and, and pull it and push it and see where it goes. Right, and it is interesting how this manifestation waxes and wanes. It'll go through periods and it'll right. and it'll slow down. We're clearly in a period where it's been on the upswing, and in my opinion, it's been on the upswing um, since. Israel came back into the land. Oh, this. And, look, and, I'm, I'm going to, yeah. And certainly yeah, also we have the Holocaust, and you described this, I think, uh, as, as good as anyone has ever described it. Thank um, you. Appreciate how the, that. How the, how the Jews uh, being offered, in, a satan, in our opinion, a satanic altar, um, you know, somehow these beings use that to manifest. Uh, human sacrifice, animal sacrifice has some kind of, multidimensional or, or physical manifestation with these things and uh, this great upspike during World War II uh, with the Foo Fighters and then certainly after World War II it, it's it's interesting so the fact of the matter is is this stuff is on an up upswing and you can choose to ignore it but it's not going to go away you know and so you can put your head in the sand and say well it's all silly it's and I know right. some Christian right, researchers right. says, well, these things are all, um, I've heard the term residual UFOs flown around. Well, they're, they're spiritual, and I, go, I would agree. <coughs> they are spiritual, but I think you, you need to understand the way that the Bible describes the spiritual world as a very physical existence. And when these things manifest from our, in our physical time, space and time, they're, they have flesh and blood. They're, they're physical. They're, you know, they're in craft. They're able to walk upon the planet just as the good angels when they appeared sure. in the Bible walked mm -hmm. and, and prepared food and sat down with Abraham and, and all the different uh, the scenes that you see in the Bible. So a lot of it I think is, is the way that there's a misunderstanding about what the spiritual world is and it's a very unbiblical way of understanding the spiritual world. It's actually a kind of a Gnostic way of understanding the spiritual world that there's this physical world and there's this other beautiful right, wonderful existence and right. that's it's a continuum of existence and uh, we're not privy to the spiritual world normally um, but I think that as things happen the barrier between the, the spiritual world and our physical existence is breaking down people are becoming fascinated with the occult um, I've seen it since I've been alive I watched it rise in the 70s and the 80s and now it's now it's just accepted as norm. It used to be kind of on the fringe. Now they talk about occultism and, and Wicca and all of that as a norm. And I think people need to realize when they practice this, they're opening up doors. But the UK mm -hmm. is a hotbed of this stuff. Yeah, it and is. it is no accident that these manifestations are happening in the United Kingdom all over the place. It's on, it's sure. on the mainstream news in the UK nearly every day. And you know these are things that are uh that they're, the ministry of defense is chasing after police helicopters and and uh, military aircraft mm -hmm, are chasing after mm -hmm. these things and i think that's a beginning and i don't know what the timing is but the beginning of something that will eventually happen worldwide well i'm on board with you this is this is some statistics um i've also if you go to the blog and you go a few back you can there's a link to this site. It's National UFO Reporting Center, and it's it's by month, but it's also by year. And basically, in 1947, they had one UFO report. All right. Well, in 2008, last month there were 375 UFO reports in one month. 
So it just goes back to what you what your statement was that since the birth of Israel, the uh, the phenomenon is burgeoning, and it is. It's burgeoning like crazy. It's not going away. It's uh, it's it's accelerating. That's it's the that's the word I like to use. Everything is an acceleration. Um, not only the UFO thing, but you know the enemy, the master strategist, and we can see that in other areas. Uh, for instance, and I'm not blaming this all on, on the enemy, but I find it very curious that I think the last time I was on, we talked about this, that natural disasters are up 400% yeah. in the last two decades. And I spoke to a, uh, a meteorologist about this, and he said, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt that this thing is the uh, frequency of the increase uh, um, is just is unbelievable, that the 400% is right. I mean, if it was like 50% or something, we'd kind of scratch our heads and go, well, maybe it's a climatic anomaly or something, you know, sunspots or whatever. But uh, 400% in two decades, it's my term. He wouldn't, he wouldn't go on board with the acceleration. But I think that the world is accelerating. When you look at the financial markets uh, collapsing all around us uh, and the way the dollar is falling, the price of oil, all the other natural disasters, when you look at 14 million uh, people uh, facing starvation in Africa, the AIDS epidemic, uh, is up globally. It's becoming a pandemic. I mean, the place is just is 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 a Looney Tune in my opinion, and people are getting edgy. They're not sure where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, funny, I just I watched the movie Zeitgeist the other day, and uh, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. And it's definitely an out there movie. And my caveat is, you know, get a good dose of the word before you watch it because yeah. they'll make you they'll make you think. Now make you think, especially the first third, which negates, uh, you know, even Jesus as the Messiah. But what I found interesting, and, and, and all things biblical, by the way, what I find very, very interesting is that they they come to the same conclusions that I come to in certain areas. For instance, they believe that the uh, one world government is eminent, and they also believe that there will be a one world, uh, some sort of monetary system, probably based on digital angel like I do also, or Verichip, or wh- wh- however it comes down. Now they've got an RFID in the ink, which so they can tattoo you with the ink, and it's, you know, they got the RFID information right there. So it's even gone uh, in the last six months from Digital Angel, now it's in, into an ink, which they can tattoo on you. Unbelievable. So um, Zeitgeist looks at this and, and talks about this and, and, and points to the horrors of this one-world governmental system with this big conspiracy, this global conspiracy, which is which is eminent, which is and which is going to happen soon. Well, in my opinion, once again, they're being incredibly intellectually dishonest because they negate the Bible. And we we we've been saying this, we've been talking about this since Hal Lindsey, you know, since since the uh, the late 70s or whenever, whenever the late Great Planet on Earth came out, we've been talking about this for decades. The mark of the beast is going to come, and been laughed at, and been scoffed at. So why, why Zeitgeist and the producers of Zeitgeist throw away uh, the Bible and Jesus and everything else, what they're promulgating towards the end of the film anyway is, is the same idea that we are, that this global government is going to happen, but you know they're pulling rabbits out of their hat where we have this you know, thousands of year old prophetic word which is telling us exactly how it's going to come down, who's behind it, uh, the machinations of Satan, obviously. It's a Luciferic endgame. It's it's a uh, a coming great deception, and it's all part of this uh, fulfillment of the Book of Revelation, which, by the way, has been a closed book until fairly recently. I mean, no one understood it. No one, 
had an idea of how this was going to come down. If you if you went to someone in the early part of the 1900s and say, you know, I believe that Israel is going to be regathered from the four corners of the earth and reestablished in Jerusalem, you would have been ridiculed. Here we go, the three phases of truth. You would have been scoffed at and ridiculed till till the cows came home. I mean, it's just there's no way it's going to happen. And yet, of course, now. We see the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37, where Israel truly has been regathered from the four corners of the earth, set back into its ancient homeland. And if you go to Amos 9, it says very specifically, once that happens, it will never again be uprooted from its ancient homeland. So these are the things that are, that are happening in our, in our generation, literally. We're watching them. We're seeing them happen. And, of course, as you pointed out, uh, uh, that from the inception of Israel in 1948, We've seen the rise, the burgeoning of the UFO sightings, and that's exactly what, what has gone down. That's exactly what we're looking at. So I believe that we are in the time of the end. I believe it's, it's going to happen soon. Uh, I, I think that maybe things will happen a lot sooner than we think. I'm not a date setter, but the way things are heating up, and let, me, let me just throw something in here. The Israelis are known for preemptive strikes. It's no, uh, before the 67 war, they hit the Egyptian airfield. They hit Saddam when he uh, had his nascent nuclear program happening in Iraq long before he was deposed. Recently, they went into Syria, and uh, they also did a preemptive strike there when the Syrians were uh, attempting their nascent nuclear program. The Iranians aren't stupid. Uh, several months ago, I think about a month and a half, two months ago, the Israelis did sort of a, a dry run by going up to Greece. They refueled helicopters. They had F-16s, F-15s, over 100 of them in the air. It was a huge military exercise, uh, basically war games. That's what I was searching for, war games. And make no mistake about it, Greece is the same distance as from Israel as Iran is. So it's, it's very obvious that, that they're preparing for something. So the Iranians know that. They're not dummies. They're not stupid. They know that the Israel, Israelis have a, have a record of this. So if you're, if you're over in, in Iran and you're part of them and, and their military intelligence, two things have happened. One, fairly recently uh, in Lebanon, the Iranian intelligence officers have occupied the highest peak, which gives them a look over the Mediterranean, where our, the Sixth Fleet is, I believe, and also the Israelis. So they can see it. They've got eyes on the ground, boots on the ground, intelligence on the ground. Gee, it sounds like they're getting ready for something. They also did these missile tests where they shot up uh, a missile that can, and, and it reached a height of 200 miles. Here's what some people have been saying. The whole idea of an electric magnetic pulse wave, you, and this is the scenario, uh, which, by the way, ties into my book, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, where it will be a two-prong attack against Israel. In other words, you could take this missile, arm it with a nuclear warhead, which they e easily could get from the Russians, right? stick it on a barge and fly or move that barge uh, about 100 miles off the coast of the United States, right? Launch the missile, launch the missile and have it detonate over Ohio. Well, you've over about 200 miles up in the atmosphere. The moment you do that, you're going to set up an electromagnetic pulse wave, which could wipe out our way of life as we know it, literally. At the same time you're doing that, you hit the Israelis. Two-prong attack, like I've been saying in politics, prophecy, and the supernatural. I believe the Iranians are going to pull the plug because they know, they know for a fact that the Israelis will not allow them to get a bomb. And if, you know, my critics just say, well, Israel has a bomb. Yeah, but Israel's not running around going, Iran is a dry withered tree, soon to be uprooted and thrown into the sea. Or 
Iran is a cancer, soon to be irradiated, or, you know, <laughs> basically yeah. we're going to wipe you out. And that's what the Iranians have been saber-rattling for literally years now towards the Israelis. So there's no way the Israelis are going to get allow the Iranians to get the bomb. All that, what I just said to say, that I believe the stage is set for this two-prong attack that will happen in the United States and in Israel simultaneously, which will then trigger the supernatural. Well, I think we're going to be on again discussing this. Um, the uh, I'd like to continue this as a continuing dialogue. I think that uh, as people are, see stuff in the news, I think that they are going to want to listen to this and uh, and maybe even if they disagree with us, at least get our perspective on it. Lynn, um, thank you very much. Um, My pleasure, Daryl. Thanks here. for having me on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, you can go to uh, spiraloflife.com and get all the information. And uh, we'll see you next.